right, welcome to the Demystifying MTB podcast, where we talk about all the tricky bits related to mountain biking. This podcast is presented by myself, Matt Miller, aka MTB PhD, and Rowan Martin, aka Sweaty Techie. The podcast is brought to you by Breakace. And the whole reason we started Breakace is to demystify your ride. Breakace collects complex data and presents it to you in an easy-to-action way so you know where to improve your riding. And that's exactly what we're going to do with this podcast. We cover all the aspects of mountain biking to get you riding faster, having more fun, and owning the mountain. All right, Rowan, we were talking about tire pressures. The rabbit hole, yes. Yeah. You live in a totally different climate than I live in. So I live in Rotorua, New Zealand, which is hero dirt basically every day of the year. Your condition, there's no rocks. We have no rocks. We have a lot of roots and a lot of basically breaking bumps. What's your terrain like? Yeah, so around Perth, Western Australia, is almost totally pea gravel or granite rock slabs. Uh, So a lot of the riding here will head down to the southwest, do three to four hours south and we'll have hero dirt down there but around perth day-to-day riding there might be two days a year of something you could classify as almost hero dirt very little traction right okay so what tires do you run out there for just like your daily driver so for me definitely something chunky for almost everything uh and most of the riders around here do it as well so a lot of Maxis, so the Asagai is a pretty standard go-to front tire for sort of even more, I'd say cross-country riding, not cross-country racing, but even if you're doing something quite peddly, you'll still get a lot of riders with the chunky tires. And so also quite a bit of people doing like Exo Plus or Double Down because of the fact that we're sliding around, but also there are rocks. And so, yeah. so for those who aren't maybe familiar, what is like something like double down or exo plus? What's the difference? Yeah. For that, so just briefly, that's the Maxis naming for their different tire casings. So big difference being how thick the casing is. So your standard tire, we say just is just a, a piece of rubber with some knobs on it. And then we start adding some different protection. So thicker pieces or different materials up the side and around under the treads. And so the generally the most solid tire you'd get is a downhill wire bead tire. So yes, it'll have wires through it, but also it'll just be almost double thickness, the whole casing of the tire. Whereas a double down is Max's way of saying uh, the sidewalls are going to be double thick, but under the tread, the casing won't be. So that gives you some extra sidewall support, which is where you get the dreaded snake bites when you force something hard into your tire, into the rim, and it cuts through the edge of your tire. So yeah, in an attempt to stop that happening. Yeah, it doesn't really work as good as it should. But uh, <laughs> I guess there's like a lot of things you can manipulate with your tires because you can change, well, obviously, the size. I think we've pretty much all settled on 29ers now. Or mullet bikes whatever we'll save that for another episode so you get a 29er size wheel but you can change the volume of the tire you can change the compound of the tread you can change the shape and the height of the tread and the casing 
as you said, the different thickness of casings. And uh, then once you once that's all said and done, you can totally change the way that same bike rides just by changing the volume the volume of air inside the tire or the, the pressure of of that volume. Uh, so changing your pressure. I guess do you remember back in the day the way mountain bike tires used to be back when everyone used tubes and 26 was the only option? Do you remember that? Indeed. But I'll also say there's still people using tubes now. What? There are? Where do they live? I know a couple around here. Just okay. for the... There's, there's reasons, but I think we should pretty <laughs> safely say most people, almost everyone, is tubeless these days. Yep. Uh, but yes, indeed. And having basically the main adjustment you could have is how heavy was your... or how heavy duty was your tube. Yeah, that's true. Or you pump up the tube very, very hard and, and, yes, and more destroy pressure. the ride quality. So I remember my friend actually back in 04, he did a 24-hour race with these Kenda, like super hard tread tires. Can't remember what they were called, but they were green. He did the whole 24-hour race on mountain bike trails at 65 PSI just because he didn't want to get a flat. He won, by the way, uh, but he had extreme nerve damage after that. In his hands, he still has that nerve damage to this day. As vegan Rob, for you twenty-four hour freaks out there, um, but it's gnarly. <laughs> putting your body on the line for the win. Yeah, you know all that glory at the at the out twenty-four hours of Alamuchi. But uh, like tires have changed so much because around 04 is when Stan's no tubes came out. And it's pretty cool because they were based not too far away from where I grew up riding. And we have lots of rocks in New York area, Eastern Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, just the whole East Coast, basically, is sharp rocks. And since it's so bumpy, you need to get grip. So you, what you want to do is you want to lower that pressure to be able to get that grip. But once you do that, you just get pinch flats all the time. So we were just always getting flats. We still were, uh, even with tubeless. But stands really changed the game because now what you could do is you could drop down your pressure to something like, 20 psi or 11 psi um, which i did one time in a race and it worked i won uh, in an enduro but uh, now that you could actually change the pressures to the, that extreme level the riding character like the riding quality was so much better it was amazing how changing the pressure can change the way that um you can ride so what do you ride in terms of pressure out there in perth Ah, uh, so I basically on my Norco started with their ride aligned setup guidance. And yeah, I'd never heard of this. You were telling me about this. that. What is that? Yeah, so it's Norco trying to let you know the best setup for you or a starting point that is customized for you. So we all know that for suspension, you have based on your weight, a starting point for how much air pressure to put in your air fork, air shock. Uh, so Norco, with their right aligned, have taken this to all aspects of the bike. So they'll tell you what bar width and what bar rise, uh, what size bike you should fit, but then also tire pressures. Uh, and so I've started with that and fine-tuned more. Well, I should say, I already had my numbers, went to what they suggested, didn't like it, ended up back on what I had anyway, which wasn't too far off. So I'll run a 27 PSI on the front, 23 PSI on the... No, 23 PSI in the front, 27 PSI on the rear. 
Uh, and potentially if I'm doing a race that sort of needs something else or it's extra wet and slippy, I might drop at most one PSI from that. Oh, wow. Um, but it starts to get to the point of just feeling different. So I'd actually prefer to have a little potential loss of traction. Uh, but yeah, that's somewhat across the board as well, where depending on the style of riding and the style of bike, as I change the tire setup, I'll keep the tire pressure the same and have the ride characteristics be a bit more controlled by the actual tire itself. And then we get into rim protectors and tire inserts, but that all comes down to the ride feel. Yeah. And so I'll stick and... with the same tire pressure across all of them. Okay. So what's your weight in pounds? Do you know your weight in pounds? Oh, because I have a calculator here from this is on a single tracks.com article. And this is let's do a quick Google formula. You got to convert um, from kg to pounds. I... <laughs> I'm thinking 150 ish. Okay. So what this calculator 100, yeah, 155. says 155. Okay. Okay. So what you do is you take your your weight in pounds, rider weight in pounds, divide by seven. All right. So let's do 155 divided by seven. I always have a calculator here. So it says what you should your starting point basically should be 22 psi. That actually sounds close to where you're at. Um, but what it says is for your front, you remove one from that. So your front tire should be about 21, which also sounds close to where you're at. And then the rear should be plus two. So 22 plus two, which is 24. So not crazy far off. That sounds like it could be a good yeah. starting point for you. Yeah. And I think that is, um, it's just after destroying a few rims, I have bumped my tire pressures up a bit. Um, cause I'll also say, your riding terrain is one thing, but also your riding skill level. And so as more or of a just beginner, the speed, the speed. Yeah, eh? Exactly. As more of a, as a beginner, you're riding slower and want more grip. So if you have lower tire pressures, you've got that grip because the tire molds around the pieces of the trail and gives you more surface area. Whereas as more of an expert rider, you still want that traction, but you also need to be able to survive smashing into things faster. Plus you can make up for traction with better technique. And so as more of an expert, you should start adding more air pressure. And when you get started, what that number was works for you then, but as you progress, yeah, start reassessing. Do you yeah. want higher pressures? And the main way you'll notice is when things start falling apart. Yeah. Like you want to basically be on that borderline of something breaking versus it not breaking. And there's only one way to find that out, right? <laughs> is to like borderline break something or smash something. But that's really how you get the best quality out of your tires, especially. And uh, what you'll notice is as you get faster, you start hitting things with way more speed which is way more energy and all that energy gets transferred basically through the terrain, through your tires. And if there's not enough pressure in there, it's going to hit something, which is likely your rim. And if you have those fancy carbon rims, uh, they're going to break because they don't do very well with impacts. So you obviously, you want to be increasing your pressure before you really get to that point as well. So, so in that case, going back to you, your questions you've asked me, what tires and what pressures for 
your writing in your environment? Okay, well, um, generally, I I guess I I keep an XC setup and I keep a trail setup. My trail bike, I run an Asagai in the front with an XO Plus, just for the extra uh the softer knobs because at, when you go to the xo plus they have i forget what they even call it but they have the softer knobs all the way around it's not the 3c with the heart in the front so that's why because in rotorua since we don't have rocks you don't need that extra protection but what you want a lot of times is those that softer compound on the knobs especially if you're running big tires it's like well why not it just feels a lot better because downhill tires here feel like absolute bag of you know, not good. They, you, they're just really over damped because they're so thick. So I don't like the way that they ride. So I run Exo Plus Asagai in the front and a dissector. Uh, I guess it's maybe the same compound in the rear. And that feels really good. And then on my XC bike, which I end up riding most of the time, I run Asp, uh, what the heck is it? Not Aspen, Ardent Race 2.4. The Maxis Harden Race 2.4, which is like a low profile, relatively low profile XC tire. And that tire feels amazing. And I really love it just because you can cover more ground. And since we don't have rocks to contend with, you can go pretty quick downhill with an XC bike. And it feels more scary. So it makes it more exciting, I guess. I'm going to jump to a side note here, as I like to do. We're both running Maxis. And I think a big part of that is that we're in Australia and New Zealand. It is actually rather limited what we can get our hands on in terms of different brands. So yeah. if you're in Europe and North America, it's much easier to have a selection. So yes, okay, there's there are the other brands here, but we just don't have the selection. Yeah, so like actually, this is no brand affiliation at all. It's just I actually in New Zealand, I don't see that many people riding other tires. Like you see like a few Goodyear out there. And you see a few uh, Schwalbe, you see a few Vitoria. Yeah, I would say Schwalbe in the same way as like, yes, they're out there, but you don't. Yeah, the Michelin is reasonably oh, yeah. popular here. Uh, Goodyear starting to get a bit more, uh, definitely specialized. See a lot of people on the specialized tires, mostly because specialized sells so many bikes here. But yeah, there's, it's just basically, there's the same version of each tire and each compound and encasing in maybe a small variation across all the manufacturers yeah you can get I, something pretty close from anyone they're pretty much made in the same factories you know like there's not that much that that many different factories uh even maxis they have two different brands and one is cst which is actually Chengshin tire but uh westerners tend to not buy that because of the name but they're the same thing as a Maxis and everyone buys a Maxis. And maybe for me, there's just like a bit of anxiety of trying a new tire that I haven't tried before. So I just end up using the one that came on my bike, which is always a Maxis and they always ride pretty good. So I just stick with those. Yeah. Maybe I should branch out more. Is that what you're saying? No, I, I know I've tried <laughs> many. I actually, before leaving France, discovered the WTB tires as amazing potentially my favorite tire because they did what I wanted for really cheap. And then I come to Australia and they were almost three times the price. So like, nope, I don't care how well they work. They're going to wear out. So 
I'm not riding them. And then yeah. Specialized released their new rubber. And so the bike shop here was selling off the old ones. So I think I bought five of those because like, yep, there's something newer and better, but these ones are ridiculously cheap and yeah, they're going to wear out. So everything can be good enough. Yeah, but, I, think yeah so. I definitely have learned some things don't work for me. Yeah. Well, so you... I, well, I'll, I'll get into a story. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Borrowed, tell us. Borrowed a mate's bike. Um, he had the aggressor on the back, which is meant to be a quite aggressive tire. So I normally was running the exactly <laughs> was running the uh, dissector. I was thinking, okay, great, something more efficient should be fast. First corner, almost lost it. Oops, sliding out, side knobs not digging in. Mm, Next corner, yeah. almost missed it. Center knobs not digging in. I was like, okay, this fast rolling, fast tire is super slow for me to ride because riding in the gravel and everything sliding around, I needed that extra traction to be able to use my brakes or else, well, I didn't even lean the bike like, or else I'd get past that limit of traction and have to start braking earlier and not be able to carry my speed. And then recently I put some new tires on. So for my new bike, I'd bought a set and for my old bike, I'd bought a set and put these tires on six weeks later, realized I'd put what was meant to be the front tire on the new bike as the rear tire on my old bike. So I was running dual matching Asagai's front and back, big, oh. chunky, and really slow rolling. Very uh, slow. But last weekend, I managed to get on the podium racing those uh, against basically the local guys because we were riding brand new, never opened up to the public trails, barely ridden to anyone. So it was really raw, skinny, loose, steep, rough, and... Yes, there was one, well, two real pedally stages, and I didn't really do so great on those. But being able to ride all weekend on new, loose, steep trails, just doing an enduro race, having that extra grip made up for any rolling resistance. So there's definitely some variation there, and I'd prefer to have some amount of grip and pedal harder for the enduro racing we do here which is significantly shorter length than most places. But yeah, and especially on a downhill bike or at a bike park, more grip means more fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean, you, you went straight into it. You, that's straight in the jugular talking about the braking stuff. I think we should kind of get it. Cause I like, I agree in a way. And then also depending on where you are, you can get away with, something like the xc tire but you're absolutely right in that with a chunkier tire you can just slow down whenever you want to slow down because you have those knobs in contact with the ground and since we're not about bro science here i went and did an n of one science experiments on braking in this exact thing uh, on my favorite trail i think on a different podcast we also talked about this trail box of birds which is obviously you need to ride it when you come here because it's right out the front door. Yep, it's added to the list. Yep. Uh, but what we did, uh, so I ran those same tires that I just mentioned, the Asagai, I think I used maybe a DHR2 on the back. So that was my downhill setup. And then the XC setup was the Ardent races. Uh, and I sw swapped them on the same bike. So what I could do is I would, could go, go up the same climb and down the same descent with different tires and measure power output and 
breaking with breakace and then analyze the difference. So I actually did a whole YouTube video on this, so I'm not going to rattle off all the stats. And actually, I must say that this was my best editing I've ever done on a YouTube video. It just never gained traction, but it's linked down below, so you can check that out. Um, Everyone, so we... go enjoy the science and the editing. Yes, but also remember, it is a little bit, it, it is science, but um, I'll also link in the description the actual scientific article we did looking at tire pressures. That'll be in the description too. So check that out. But anyway, like what we did is I controlled my power output on the climb just so we could see the difference between how long, like how long does it actually take when you have these big heavy tires? So the climb was about 11 or 12 minutes and it took, so I rode at 200 watts and it took me an extra minute to get up the climb with the downhill tires, just riding at the same exact power. So one minute per 12 minutes extra. That's actually a lot. Right, just same effort, same everything. You just like boom, it takes you a minute longer to get uphill. So it's like, what do you think about that? Well, what sort of an up trail is this? Is just a single spin, grind all the way up, or and... is it a bit technical start stop fight through some things? No, it was like I kept it relatively easy. It is single track though, and it get I think it's like a thirteen percent gradient. So yeah, that I guess that take that how you will. Yeah. That's pretty well, steep, that's, I guess. Yeah, that's still that's lost time for, yeah. for nothing. But that's yeah, somewhat as expected. Okay. This is reasonable. Like you wouldn't want to do an XC race on those ass guys. It's kind of so we were just yeah, talking you're to losing Mac that actually. every climb. Yeah. We were just talking to Mac before we had our normal Wednesday meeting, and Mac was saying how he's gonna do a gravel race. Right. We're gonna talk about tires here. You can't use your big downhill tires in this gravel race. So we told him we give him a hard time to make sure he changes his tires. So you'll lose a minute per 12 just riding at 200 watts. And I didn't think it was down to the weight because the weight isn't hugely different. And uh, there's uh, a weight article referenced in that same video where you can kind of calculate how much time you'd lose with the extra 700 grams. It's a little bit, but not a minute. Um, so that's that. That's going up a hill. Maybe we're not that it. I think we're racing XC. We already know we're going to put on something much uh, lower profile and faster rolling. So maybe we don't have to worry about that. For your downhillers, don't complain too much about how slow your tires are uphill. The downhill, though, is when we really want that that traction, right? So I went down the hill. It took me three minutes and 22 seconds with the XC tires. So that's with the Ardent races. And my flow score was 86.4. So the uh, we talk about the flow score basically in every episode of this that we do, but that is the one number that describes your braking on this trail. So it takes into account all the aspects of your braking, like modulation, duration, and intensity. So my flow score for the XC tires was 86.4. Uh, I braked 41 times with those XC tires. So you actually brake a lot of times in three minutes. <laughs> and this is a trail I know. I ride it all the time. And the average event or uh, my total braking time was a minute and 12 seconds. So out of that three minutes and 22 seconds, I braked for a minute and 12 seconds. That's a lot. Okay, so, so this is a pretty gnarly trail? I think it was used in an EWS or something like that at some point. I couldn't find okay, what so year it was there's used. There's definitely stuff happening on this trail. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it's a mountain bike trail. I don't know how else to describe it other than amazing. 
you know, it's my <laughs> top three in the whole forest and we have a lot of trails. Uh, so there's things going on. There's some steep sections, there's corners, there's some berms, there's a lot of roots, some drops, uh, hero dirt, obviously all the time, but yeah, there's a lot going on. So you end up like, you can tell just by the flow score, the flow score is super high and there's a lot of breaking. So I was like, well, that felt pretty good. How much faster can I go on these downhill tires? My time with the downhill tires was three minutes and 19 seconds. So I only went three seconds faster, which, you know, maybe that's the difference between winning or losing, but it's not a lot. thought I might go yeah, a lot more faster. Three and a half minute trail, losing three seconds. Yeah. It's not a big percentage. Yeah. So, you know, take that how you will as well. You're like, well, actually, XC tires aren't so bad. But um, my flow score with the downhill tires was 84.7. So that's a difference of what is that one and a half ish in the flow score which is not a huge percentage wise but i only braked 34 times with the downhill tires for a total of one minute and four seconds so what does this say to you interesting so you're making up that time by actually not braking yeah so the big the biggest number difference there to me sounds like it's the number of breaking events and so now you're riding down a, a slower tire but able to go faster and it seems like it's because you're yeah at different times not breaking at all where you were before yeah and actually like once you really get into it in the video you can see like how intensity of braking changes as well which is something that brake asap shows you but really what what's happening is with the xe tires they just take so long to slow down because you can't just stop whenever you want and that's okay because we can still get down the trail and we can still get down it relatively quickly we just have to start braking a lot earlier so if you find yourself in a bit of a sticky situation where you actually need to stop, well, you could end up in trouble with those XC tires, right? Because they can't just stop on a dime. Uh, but what also was happening was, so the reason why we almost in a way get a wash in the time is that these XC tires, uh, they have such low rolling resistance. So anytime I wasn't braking or I was maybe pumping, it's much easier to generate that speed or maintain that speed up until you need to break where you kind of scrub it all away anyway. Yeah. And if we were doing this test on a big cross country loop or if part of a cross country marathon race, if you're doing a 50 K plus, you're probably going to notice every pump that you can accelerate versus if you're on a heavier tires, they don't have to be downhill tires, just anything heavier is gonna yeah have that little bit slower so now we're talking about going down a hill that still applies but it's an interesting point you make about if you need to stop you can't so you're riding a trail that you say is one of your favorite you ride quite regularly so you know what your limits are down this trail if it was the first time down and suddenly you got surprised okay we've now potentially gone faster but we've crashed and so yep. you've now lost a little bit of that assistance when you need it yeah which is something as much as the science can prove which tires faster for what reason 
crashing is always the slowest way. Crashing is the slowest thing you can do, right? You're literally not moving at all when you're on the ground. So we want to try and avoid that. Plus, you could get hurt, right? So we want to try yeah. and avoid crashing. And have to buy new bike bits. Yeah, we don't exactly. like that. Exactly. But you're right, because you were talking about when you were at the the enduro race where you got on the podium and you had these ASA guys on and you didn't know the trails. Like maybe having those ASA guys on was a really good thing for you because you didn't know what the braking points were because you didn't really get to put brake ace on your bike beforehand and try it and do all these extra practice runs and look at your key opportunities, right? You needed to just on the fly get the braking traction whenever you needed it, right? Do you think yeah. you could have done that yeah. with like an ardent race? No, I think I would have had troubles on practice day Yeah. before I even get to the race. Just that first day going down, suddenly there's a surprise chicane pointing straight down the hill. And I had one of my mates crash in front of me within the first two minutes of riding because he just slid off the trail. And so part of that was surprise and yeah just suddenly sliding and so needing that grip just to get the kilometers in to start learning the trails and so okay if i'd really wanted to start getting faster potentially i could have a less rolling resistance tire which would have helped on the more pedally stages but overall i needed to get time on the bike on the trails and so the the guy who got first beat me by 21 seconds but he built the trails so he would have had plenty of chances to go and session things and so yeah that's who i was trying to compete with so it was mm. very different competition yeah so for me it was like oh well i'd got off and pushed up a few of the hills on the liaisons just because i wasn't going to pedal up regardless of well you probably couldn't how with efficient those, i was <laughs> yeah those dual asset guys right it was probably hard to even push it there are there was one trail where there's a big drop right near the start i was like well let's see if i can get up to speed in time <laughs> yeah that's like world cup downhill spec is the dual asset guys basically yeah. so i want to make a deviation here to bring in a bit of an anecdote that i actually rode downhill tires with tubes for a couple of years while i was in france ouch now this was not intended so i'd been shredding tires there living on the edge of the Alps was riding old hunting trails that had been there for a few hundred years, big rocks, big roots, and just rough. And that's what made it fun. But the amount of times I was having to replace tires or stop mid ride to try and repair a tire was just getting frustrating. So like, well, I'm going to give downhill tires a try. Got some, some wire bead downhill tires, put them on, tried to set them up tubeless, even though technically they weren't tubeless ready tires and just could not get them to bead. They were too stiff, oh, yeah. could not get the air to stay in. Like, well, I'll put some tubes in, do a couple of runs, get the tire shape set right, and then it should make it a bit easier. Two years later, I was riding down the road at the end of a bike park day and got a really slow leak that I only noticed later. And so that was the same tires, same tubes for two years. Uh, I was getting to the point that I was starting to see some wire through the rubber. So it was probably a good time to replace them anyway. But I'm pretty sure I've still got some KOMs that I got on those tires. And this wasn't really steep trails. It was just 
could be fast trails. And so I put that down to the fact that at the time I could ride from the house to these trails. I work different time zones, different people. So I could basically take a lunch ride every day. So I'd be riding time to ride. five, six, seven days a week, even if it was only an hour ride. And so I could just get faster on these trails because I knew them and because I had time to ride them. So I contribute part of that to just not having issues, not having to stop and fix flat tires, deal with pressures. Great thing with tubes is check your air pressure and a month later you check your air pressure again. <laughs> Probably yeah. about the same. Yeah. And so, yeah, I could just ride more. And as times, I'm pretty sure those KOMs are still there, even though I was not riding a fast setup. So you were just riding a robust setup. Exactly. Yeah. I was riding yeah. a setup I could ride fast on the trails I knew. Yeah, interesting. I did not want to go doing big missions up a mountain with that setup. But no, if I did, I knew I'd make it from the top back to the bottom. So we talk about riding fast, but there are different situations for what is riding fast. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and, you know, I think one of the ways that we can start to kind of understand what the best way to set our bikes up is, is, um, well, besides not having problems and making sure you're not breaking something and maybe trying to find the limit of where that is, but obviously without breaking something is have, being able to control your tire pressure. I think this is the easiest place to start and that's use the same or use a tire pressure that is the same one every time. And that means use a gauge. None of this hook the bike pump up and pump it up and watch that inaccurate little dial move. Uh, it's put a pressure gauge on it because that's the only way to actually know what the, the, the tire pressure is. And then you can start to, to change it. So use one of these calculators. I have a different kind of calculator in uh, my research article. You can check that out too. But uh, like the Topeak pressure gauge is a nice one to start with. So set it and I've the same a, one. had a couple of topic pressure gauges yeah anything digital basically but also yeah use your pressure gauge yeah. i've had matching model of pressure gauges someone else that read a few psi different and yeah it doesn't matter that they're different <laughs> as long as it's consistent as long as you know what your number is meant to be and maybe you're writing 21 psi and your mate's writing 23 psi but they're just different gauges and you're actually riding a higher pressure than the other guy is. It doesn't yeah. matter. Find it what works for doesn't. you. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, you've got different options for what tires you work with. But I would say if you're trying to just find the best setup for you, start a little heavier duty. The worst thing that happens is you've got to pedal a bit harder, but if it means more riding time, you can start getting your riding skills up and yeah, try and get lighter and lighter weight from there. And then by the time you're competing at world cup level, you'll know what setup you want. Yeah, exactly. You'll have it absolutely dialed. Um, and you'll still be using a gauge. You won't be using your thumbs anymore, but you'll at least know what kind of setup to use. Yeah. Uh, the other day I wanted to check my tire pressures out on the trail. I was like, this feels a little soft and I didn't have my gauge with me. I like, I don't even know what, if you're squeezing it, 
what it should feel like anymore. Yeah, well, I have a mate. Uh, so I use a tire whiz, which is the quark version of the pressure gauge. It's on all the time. But my mate that I ride with, Tyler, he has a Tyler whiz, which is him pushing <laughs> with his thumbs on the tires. And that, that thing seems to be pretty inaccurate because it's always changing and it changes between leaving the house and dropping into the trail. So uh, get, you just get something and uh, be consistent with it. And I think that's the best way to start. Yeah. And don't necessarily think just because your pump says something that it's right. I have a great Aldi pump that sits in my car. That thing varies by 20 to 30 PSI. Oh, wow. That is a it's lot. It's incredible. Sometimes I'm pumping up to 60, but yeah, that's not accurate at all. <laughs> so, so take note that get a reliable gauge, but yep. that pump's totally fine. I use that and then use the digital gauge to set the yeah, pressure. Absolutely. Outputs. Two different tools. Yeah. And if you're riding tubeless, check your tire pressures every ride. Yes, definitely. Every ride, every day. I check mine every day, especially in summer. It loses pressure so fast. So. even while you're not riding you just want to go and check and make sure all is good with your bike check yeah. it every day yeah uh no well i do ride but luckily when i'm riding um my tire whiz does tell me that <laughs>